Well, good morning, church. It's exciting to be with you. I want to thank you for dealing with the uh, traffic that you encountered in our parking lot uh, in our first service. Our nine o'clock service, as you can tell, went over. Turn your neighbor and say, Ryan's going to bring it this morning. (laughs) I am at 100% fault for how late first service went. I will be at 100% fault for how late we go this morning with this service, okay? (laughs) You clap now. (laughs) We want to welcome everyone watching online. Hey, can you clap for everyone online? They're part of our community as well. Thanks for joining us. Hey, real quick, next week, uh, we're at one service together in our parking lot at 10 o'clock. All right, one service, 10 o'clock, bring a chair to sit in, okay? Or bring a blanket, because we'll be on the, our parking lot. You guys will park in the grass out there. We're going to have food afterwards. We'll have inflatables. It's going to be a good time next week. Uh, be in prayer for us as we were in prayer over the service, uh, that the weather would stay nice. Uh, Pastor Brandon will talk a little bit more logistics with you in a little bit. Here, but we are in our series that are, it's kind of ongoing called Awaken the Book of Acts. So if you got your Bible, you have a tablet, or you can look at the screens. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. As we looked at 1 through 13 last week, we're going to go 13 through 22 this week. I couldn't come up with a title because I had so much to say, so I just called it this. The Christian and civil obedience, the Christian and civil disobedience, and the Christian and divine obedience. All right, it's all just blah there. I couldn't shorten it. And uh, most of the struggle was just trying to come up with the title. So I said, forget it. We'll just say it all right there, okay? So take time to write it in your notes. We live in a society today that is becoming more and more polarizing. People are becoming more intolerant of any opinion that is different than their own. Take, for instance, what has happened in America in the last two years. We are a polarized society. Talk politics. You'll divide a room like that. You divide your workplace with it. We'll divide families. You talk politics, there's division. Let's talk about the last two years. What about health? Vaccine or no vaccine? You'll divide people real quick. Was COVID fake or was it real? Listen, there's a lot of conspiracies out there. May we be people of the word? Can I just say, let's be people of the word. You talk health, you'll divide people. We're polarized. You want to talk sexuality in the last three years? You know, we have to come under, the, under, under, under this understanding. Please understand this. That back in the, back probably at least maybe 15 to 20 years ago, uh, sex and gender were used as, as a synonymous word. Now they're different. Now we view sex as a biological, uh, looking at genes, you're biological. Now we view gender as an expression of your sexuality. Did you now know there are 72 expressions of sexuality today? Talk about sexuality We will divide people. I want to be people of the word. But it also means to tackle difficult conversations with grace and truth. If you're here this morning at Radiant Life or you're watching 
and you're struggling with your sexual identity, please know this. Your church, this church, loves you and your creator loves you. And what we want to do is walk with you and help you follow the way of Jesus Christ. And I know saying things like that automatically makes us go, ooh, because it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, we should talk for a moment. Let me, let me say this. Parents, if, you're, if you have a child that's struggling with their sexual identity, please know this. Their frontal cortex, their frontal lobe, which is their decision-making lobe, part of the brain, is not fully developed to the age of 26. And we are making biological gender choices on prepubescent children that will have ramifications for the rest of their life. Let's meet people where they're at with grace and truth and always point them the way of Jesus. Amen, church? And I know there's tension there. There's tension. Uh, you talk guns? Woo! Well, I got a right to bear arms. Well, okay, let's look at the amendment and really understand the, the history behind what that actually means there. Uh, should we have gun control? Do we not? Do we policy guns? Do we not? Do we let them go? Should we have ARs? Should we not? Talk guns, you'll divide the room. We live in a culture today that seems like any topic out there is worth a fight. We can expect that from an unsaved and ungenerated world. But at times, that polarization of any topics, go with race, go with climate, go with morality, will affect our families, friends, and the church. And the tragedy is, what the past two years has shown us, that it affects the testimony and witness for Jesus Christ. And that's why these verses in Acts chapter 4 are so relevant for us today. It's so enriched with relevance. So let me set up the stage for us, and then we're going to dive in, and we're going to have fun today, okay? We're going to have fun. Let's set the stage. So you have two disciples, a guy by the name of Peter and John. They've gone to the temple in downtown Jerusalem for prayer. There's that beggar outside the temple shaking his can. He's lame from birth. In other words, he can't walk. And he's begging, and Peter and John says, what I, I don't have silver and gold, that's what you want, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, get up. Listen, you have power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We must understand that. And in that moment, that guy is miraculously healed, and Peter preaches this masterful message at the rest of Acts chapter 3, and then into Acts chapter 4, we realize that he says, hey, you killed the Messiah, the author of life, you need to all repent. 5,000 men get saved. That's not including women and children. And immediately the Jewish authorities arrest Peter and John. And now Peter and John are standing in front of the rulers and the elders and scribes that make up the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Supreme Court. Who else was there that we looked at last week? You half was this group. What was it? The Sadducees. They were there too telling Peter and John, hey, stop preaching Jesus in this resurrection thing. Remember why were the Sadducees saying, stop preaching the resurrection? They don't believe in the resurrection. That is why they are sad, you see. I know, that's bad, isn't it? But go ahead, steal it anytime, use it. 
And so now all of a sudden, John is going to, in the midst of all that, John and Peter are going to stand up and they're just going to give a bold, intelligent, intelligent, clear gospel response to them saying, hey, knock it off and stop preaching Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verse 14. Or verse 13, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition because they realized every day they go to the court, they go into the temple, and there's that man who we know can't walk, now he walks. Yet we got nothing to say. The only thing we can do is butt up against you and say, stop talking about Jesus. And then they, they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin and conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these men? For watch this, an obvious sign. Listen, when God shows up, there are signs and wonders. And people cannot deny the presence and power of God when there are signs and wonders. And the Sanhedrin couldn't. They realized, yep, the guy's healed. We're not sure exactly how, but you know what? Stop with this Jesus stuff. Signs and wonders. It's obvious has been done through them. Watch this. And it's clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. We can't deny that God moves powerfully through signs and wonders, through healing. He moves, but so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. That is our only thing that we can do because we can't deny the miracle. Let's just threaten them. Goes on. So they called for them and they ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John have an answer for that. Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, who's you? The Sadducees, the Supreme Court of the Jewish people, those that are under the government authority of Rome, their Supreme Court. He says, listen, you decide if we got to listen to you or God. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them and found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. Because people can't deny a move of God and their natural response is worship and glory to him. This is for for this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. A 40 year old man that could not walk from birth is now leaping and praising God. And the Supreme Court says, yep, we can't deny that, but listen, just don't speak Jesus anymore. I want us to hunker down this morning on verses 17 through 20. And I put it all on the screen. Let's go back to it. And this is where I want us to focus this morning. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten against them, speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them, hey, listen, don't speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you, rather than to God, you decide. 
for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's our focus this morning. They are commanding Peter and John, listen, stop preaching the gospel. Don't preach Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't preach salvation in Jesus. No more healings. No more. And what does Peter and John say in that moment? Listen, we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. We will not stop speaking the name of Jesus. We cannot listen and follow your civil authority in this moment. Because we are commanded to speak the name of Jesus, to spread the gospel. And you're asking us to stop doing what Jesus has called us to do, and we can't do that. And this morning, I'm going to give us four principles, looking at Scripture and really focusing on verses 17 through 20, four principles based upon the Christian and civil obedience, the Christian and civil disobedience, and the Christian and divine obedience. Things are changing rapidly in our society, and you all recognize this. Ways of thinking are changing, laws are changing, ideologies are beginning to permeate into our culture and society here in America. And there will be a day when Christians are going to have to make a choice. I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're going there. Our friends to the north in Canada just recently passed a bill that you can no longer talk about the LGBTQ community in a way that does not uplift them and say it's wrong. You'll be in prison for five years now. There are ways of thinking and ideologies that are creeping into our culture now in America today. We have to be careful though, please hear me friends, we have to be careful how we respond to civil authority. A lot of things have transpired this last two years, right? Uh, What I love about everyone in this room and watching online is this. We all went through the same junk. We all did. None of us were immune to what happened the past two years. The political upheaval, we all went through it together. The health upheaval, the racial upheaval, we all went through it together. What I think the last two years did to us is it really got to know where is the American church in discipleship. It revealed a lot. And a lot of things happen where people have taken stances in defiance to civil authority and what we have to do is back away from the idol of self and look at God's word. What does his word say we are allowed and not allowed to do? Amen? So let's journey together. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor Ryan loves you. (laughs) Turn to your other neighbor if you got one and say, get ready. All right, let's jump in. Let me give you four principles. Um, My heart and prayer for you is this. That anything I have to say comes from God's word. And if there's tension, wrestle with God. Don't allow a root of bitterness to grow up against me. You take it before the Lord. I'm just trying to preach God's word. Hey, listen, ready, ready, ready? Okay, communicators, teachers, listen, listen. Tension creates attention. 
I can't leave you in the tension too long because then you'll start to tune out. But enough tension will cause attention. And you got to release them at certain points. There's going to be a lot of tension, and please hear my heart. I'm walking in this tension with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm trying to figure out what does it look like to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and still have civil obedience, but possible have some civil disobedience when I can and cannot based on God's word. So let's go. Here's number one. I'm going to try to go through this really fast. Um, I was told after the nine o'clock service, I set a record for the longest message ever. Um, so I promise you this, if it goes long, that's all right. I don't, I, you know what? Yeah, we all got to go eat lunch afterwards. Like I realize that, realize that, but I would rather eat on God's word than the next lunch date, whatever we have. Okay. Um, I promise this I'll go short next week. That's the deal. Okay. <laughs> I'll go short next week. We got to get into this. Okay. See, I'm like, number one, as Christians, we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. We are first and foremost citizens of heaven. We are spiritual beings with a physical being. You must understand this. We are not first and foremost Americans. You are first and foremost a citizen of heaven. I love the freedom that you and I have in this country. I'm thankful for everyone who serves for our freedom. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful and proud to live in a land where we have freedoms to do what we have to do. And we, what we learned last week, we don't have to have secret churches trying to preach Jesus and be persecuted in violent ways. I'm thankful. But our right perspective through God's word is first and foremost, I'm a citizen of heaven and Jesus is my king. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our true country. And Jesus is our king. And he reigns and he rules. And this calls all of us to consider where should our primary allegiance go? And sometimes, unfortunately, what happens in our Western civilization, especially in the American culture, is an ideology of independence where I do what I want. Because God, bless God, I'm an American. Our independence must fall under submission to Christ Jesus. Always under Christ. It is Christ before America. Thankful for the, see the tension? I got one clap and the rest are like, "Eh." (laughs) thank you, Tina. Remember, I'm walking in this tension. Here's the issue. Listen, Our independence is not primary, it's secondary. We must crush the idol of self. I do what I want to do because I'm an American and that falls under Jesus Christ. It must submit to Jesus Christ. What the last two years told us is many of us are being discipled by Fox News or CNN more than Jesus Christ. I love you, don't get me wrong. My dad has been almost passed away for one year. In a week and a half, he would have died a year ago. My dad had Fox News on every time I went over there. 
and I know some of you do too, or CNN, whatever it is, whatever your choice of, listen, it ain't news, it's entertainment. They know how to sucker us in. They're smart. Come on. It's just like, okay, hey, dad, (laughs) how many hours do you sit in that, watching that, and how many actual minutes are you actually in God's word? See, we're being discipled by America and not by the king of kings. The last two years has revealed a lot to us. Um, here's what I want to, I'm going to show you Philippians. Watch this. Philippians, where is the church of Philippi? It is in, um, it's in uh, the region of Turkey, Greece, in that whole ancient area. But listen, it is under Roman occupation when this letter's written. And here's what Paul writes to those Christians in Philippi. He says, our citizenship is in where, friends? Heaven. He did not say, hey, Philippi, Christians, your citizen is... We got to be careful there. What I say? That can be really ugly. Hey, Christians in Philippi, your citizenship is not in Rome. Rome is ruling everything, and it doesn't say that. It says, listen, you Christians, your citizenship is in heaven. It's primary. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. Thank God we get new bodies when we're in heaven, you know? Yeah. By the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. We as Christians are first and foremost citizens of heaven. We know this. Jesus will reign and rule. And the name King Jesus will be a place where every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever. It's King Jesus. Allegiance to King Jesus is primary. That means we're discipled by him. We listen to him. We do what Jesus did. We keep his commands. We follow after the Jesus way. First and foremost. Everything else must bow to the name of Jesus. Second, as Christians, we are to submit to governmental authority. I'm going to geek out with you in just a moment. But I realize that statement right there causes tension. Here's why. Because you and I don't always like who's voted into office. That's why that creates tension. See, Paul writes to the house churches in in Rome. You and I have the letter Romans. He's writing to those Christians, the house churches in Rome. And this is what he says in Romans 13. Get this. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Oh. Remember, allow the tension, but you got to wrestle what God's word says. Here's where I want to geek out with you. I was a history minor in college, and so I love history. Please hear me. Biblical context matters. 
Okay, know this. This is going to be new information, I guarantee you. There were 11 New Testament emperors from the first writings all the way to the book of Revelation. There were 11, 11 New Testament Roman emperors during the entire New Testament. Let's look at a few of them real quick, because this is fun. Number one, when Jesus was born, Luke writes that that guy's on the throne, Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter two, it says, Caesar Augustus issued a decree to the entire Roman Empire that a census be taken, right? Why does he want a census? He wants to know how many people are living in my empire so I can tax you. So Caesar Augustus is on the throne when Jesus is born, The second Roman emperor during the time of Jesus, especially during his ministry and death and resurrection and then ascension, is a guy by the name of Tiberius. Luke chapter 3 talks about Tiberius reigning in Rome. There's all these very evil, evil, evil Roman emperors who were awful, especially this guy, Nero. Nero reigned between A.D. 54 and 68. Here's what history records tell us about that Roman emperor. He was considered to be one of history's greatest criminals. He killed his stepbrother. He killed his wife, his mother, friends, his lovers. And in A.D. 64, Rome began to burn down. And Tacitus, the Roman historian, writes this about the fire in AD 64 and the emperor Nero in his annals as a Roman historian. He says this, to get rid of the report that he had started the fire, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. And he was trying to cover up his evil actions. And what did he do? He had Christians massacred, persecuted, dipped in oil, and lit on fire. And this is the emperor that is on the throne when Paul writes to the churches in Rome, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Even Nero... Context matters. I know some of you may be saying, you know what? Whoever your your nenemus is, I think I said it right, in government, they're certainly not worse than Nero. And some of you may be sitting back and go, well, I would like to argue with that one. (laughs) I'm having fun with you. I'm having fun with you. Listen. I know we live in tough times, but it's good to understand the biblical context of what the writers are writing to as well and understand what is Paul saying to the Christians in Rome? You submit to the evilest emperor you have. And I'm sure those Christians in Rome are like living into the tension that you and I live into as well. I love the original word here for submit because some of you are like, well, what's the word of submit? Like, what do I have to do then? The word here is hypostasso. It's a military term in Greek that means you are to come under the submission and authority over the general. And you follow their command. 
That's hard. That's where you and I wrestle. Or there is scriptural evidence that says, submit to the governing authorities. And this is what I think is so striking right here. Look at this verse. There are no qualifiers. This verse does not say if you voted for them or if you didn't vote for them. It doesn't say if you agree with them or disagree with them. And it doesn't say if they're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Christ. It's interesting that the biblical text makes absolutely no distinction between good authorities and bad authorities. It says submit to them. And you and I got to wrestle with that. What do we do? What do we do? It does not say, listen, it could be a Democrat or a dictator. It could be an office, a communist or a king. It could be a Republican or a revolutionary. We submit to the governing authorities. There is civil obedience as a Christ follower. Titus says this, I love this. It says, remind the believers Paul's writing to Titus, hey, remind them, because they're going to forget. Submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Now, you may say, Ryan, I don't like like this message. This is not my favorite one you've ever done. It's not right, because I don't like what they're doing. If it's not violating God's word, we submit. We submit. Check this out. First Peter. Guess when this was written? Who's reigning in Rome? Guess. Nero. Hey, Peter. Submit to every human authority. Uh, Even the guy that sits in Rome that's persecuting us? No qualifier. Why do we do it? Because of the Lord. We submit because it honors God. We honor God by following his commands. Do you see why I think really the last two years has shown us an idol of self? I'll do what I want to do. No, we will bend the self to Jesus Christ. We will bend every knee in our heart to Jesus Christ first and foremost. And then the rest, it says, this is so interesting. It says, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who, what do, who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. Watch this. Submit as free people. Well, I'm independent. Submit as free people. Submit. Not using your freedom to cover up evil, but watch this. Why? As God's slaves. You're not your master. God is our master. And it says we are to submit as free people, as God's slaves. And then I love this. He says, honor everyone. No qualifiers. Honor everyone. Whether you voted them in the office or not, honor them. Why? They're made in the image of God. God still loves them. His heart is that everyone in the world come to the knowledge of who he is. Even the person you did not vote for. And then he says, hey, hey church, by the way, brothers and sisters in Christ love each other. Don't allow disunity to come in the way of this. 
especially here in America. Man, don't allow the Republican or the Democrat, whatever it is, don't allow that into the church where you guys will have disunity. Preach Jesus. That's who we preach. Hey, by the way, as you do this, fear God. Because he's first and foremost. And we have an awe and reverence of who he is. And honor the emperor. Literally, Peter just said, honor Nero. Biblical context matters. I love what William R. Newell says. He's a pastor, author, and evangelist. This is what he says. Do you feel the tension, friends? Remember, I'm there with you. I'm there. He says this. This is beautiful. He says, your savior suffered under Pontius Pilate, one of the worst Roman governors Judea ever had, and Paul under Nero, the worst Roman emperor, and neither our Lord nor his apostles denied or reveled the authority. They set the example. Their goal was not, let's overthrow an evil, evil empire. It was submit, but guess what? We're going to preach the name of Jesus Christ. Now I know this, some of you are going, man, this is not, why did I show up today? (laughs) You're asking the question, Ryan, is there ever a time that you believe we don't submit? Yep, and I think God's word tells us. Please know this, unconditional submission to civil authority is not Christian. It's not. There are instances where you and I, God's word allows us to have civil disobedience. Again, I don't think we're there yet. I think we could be heading in a direction that we as Christians need to rise up and take stances on things. Uh, Let me give you a few examples. Number one, Exodus 1. Do you remember, if you know the story, King Pharaoh issues a decree to kill all the male infants. You remember this? Power authority. This is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, on the throne. Highest ranking official there is. And all of a sudden, Moses' parents did not do that, right? They correctly valued life and understood that we're called to preserve life, not take life, even though the government was telling them to. We are a church that values life. We must know what God's word says about life. Why do we value life? Because we honor life because people are made in the image of God. They are mirrors and they have dignity and value to their creator. So let me take a moment. Did this not cause an uproar months ago? Still is, isn't it? I want to say this before I make a couple points. If you've ever had an abortion, please know God loves you. He loves you. And this church loves you. We will not pass judgment. What we do is we want to come with hope and healing in the name of Jesus and help you get healing from it. That is who we are. Because we value life. And we're here for you. 
And most importantly, your creator's here for you. And that's who we are. So I want to give you quick points, just real, real, real quick. How we should handle this as Christians. I think, number one, let's be informed. Let's be informed. Uh, you, you must know this. Like, it does not make abortion illegal nationally now. It just goes to the state level, right? We have a lot of wrong information out there. Did you know actually what the Supreme Court did was overrule Dobbs versus Jackson, which then overruled this? So we must know. I think we need to be a people that are informed about what's happening. Read up. Read up. Number two, I think we should know the development of a child in the womb. You should know the science behind it. You know, it, here's, here's a couple cool science facts. Number one, at conception, the child has distinct DNA at conception. Human distinct DNA. Isn't that awesome? Uh, three weeks, we can start measuring the baby's heartbeat. Five and a half, half weeks, the baby responds to light in the mom's womb. At six and a half weeks, you can measure brain waves. At 20 weeks, an entire baby, because of, thank God, to medical um, advancement, can survive outside the mom's womb. I think we ought to be informed of how a child is actually developed. Number two, we ought, or three, we ought to stay peaceful and kind. We ought to. Colossians is a reminder. Paul tells us, take off, it means to rip off the clothing of sexual immorality and things of the world. But it tells us this, it says this, put on kindness. We as Christians should put on kindness. Stay peaceful. Stay kind. That's the way of Jesus. Here's the other one. Study your Bible. We ought to be the best students of God's word. Know what God's word says. Know what Psalm 139 says. For I knit you together in your mother's womb. The fingerprint of God is there. Just know it. Know number, here's a whatever number now I'm on. Uh, know when to walk away. Some of you, you need, to, you need this one. <laughs> Just know when to walk away. Listen, the Bible's very clear that there are people of peace who are ready to receive what we have to say. Listen, if you're just sitting there in an argument, just walk away. Just know, I'm not gonna get anywhere with this person. I'm gonna pray for them, and you can say, hey, I'll just pray for you, love you, but you're wrong, and then go on and pray for them, all right? <laughs> no, that's passive aggressive. Don't do that, okay? So you do that, but... Just know when to walk away. Some of you are apologetical type of people. You want to defend the faith and argue, which is great. But you also have to know when to walk away. When to walk away. Here's two last ones. Pray for those who hate you. This, is, this has caused hatred in our nation. Jesus was right. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. You know why? It'll change your heart. It won't allow a root of bitterness to grow in. And here's the last one. Now, I was talking to our staff when this came out, and I said, my fear is, as Christians, we plant the flag and say we've won. Listen, continue the mission. There is work still to be done. Are you going to start adopting kids? Because there will be more children now in the foster care system. Christians, what are we going to do? Let's actually put hands and feet to what we value as life? Are you going to help the single mom who struggles that can't afford to raise the child? Are you going to help? 
Are we going to help those that are on the social economic lower that are struggling day in and day out and now have a child? Will we, the church, rise up and help them? Continue the mission. Continue the mission. It goes on. Here's just couple more examples. Daniel has two examples. I love the book of Daniel. Daniel 3, you know three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what happens with him, with those three, right? The king sets up an idol, and when he says, hey, strike up the band, and when the band goes, everyone bow down to the idol. And the three men said, no, we don't worship idols. We worship God. So we will not listen to that. And they got in trouble for it. God rescued them. But they rose and said, no, no, that's not right. It's going against God's word. Here's the other one, Daniel 6, right? You got a guy named Daniel who prays three times a day and the king is mad. So he issues a decree and says, hey, you know what? Pray to me. And they want to catch Daniel in a trap. So what do they do? Daniel's like, no, I don't pray to a king. My word said, I pray to my creator. Daniel prays, he gets in trouble. But he says, I'm not going to do it. It's against the word of God. I won't, we won't worship idols and we will pray to the creator, not to an earthly king. And then in our example, in Acts 4, so they called them and ordered them, hey, don't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. The Israelite Supreme Court has came down on the ruling. Stop speaking and teaching Jesus. And what do they say? I wonder in the moment if they aren't reminded when Jesus gave us the great commission and he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I wonder if they don't remember what happened when Jesus's final words before he ascends into heaven in Acts chapter one, verse eight, when he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the the ends of the earth. I wonder if the moment is this. No, we can't because we've been commanded to preach the name of Jesus. Because there is no other name but the name of Jesus for salvation. And their response, Peter and John answered, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you or rather to God, you decide. For we're unable to stop speaking about who Jesus Christ is. There is a moment in our walk, that we must submit to civil authority. And there are moments in our walk with Christ where we can say, government, I can't do that. When the government commands us to do what God forbids, we follow the creator. Or when the government forbids us to do what God commands, we follow the creator. It becomes God's word that we follow. I'm getting up. I know I, we're, we're closing. Don't worry. Some of you are like, oh, please close quick. Listen, some of us may be saying, what, 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 what? But what do we do about a school that's dictating certain learning for my child? Should we rise up as parents and just protest schools? Or what do we do? Listen, parents lean in. The school is not in charge of your child's education. You are as the parent's. You are as the parents. I'm not. Listen, my bachelor's degree is in education. My wife was a public school teacher. We love teachers. You are here, teachers, administrators. You are here. Can we thank God for them? 
Absolutely thank God for them. They have a tough job, especially followers of Jesus that are in our schools. They got a tough job. Can we pray for them right now? Because I know Sturgis schools start tomorrow. I know like Centerville starts in another week or so, like other schools. But we need to lift up not only our students, but our teachers and educators. So let's pray together right now for them. Father God, I lift up every teacher to you. I pray that they would just be a safe place for students. Not every student feels safe at home. And the only place they feel safe is, is the school. Father, I pray that they would be a place of safety. Father God, I pray for every administrator and teacher that's a follower of Jesus. I pray that they would shine your light and give these kids hope. They may be the only Jesus a child can ever read. I pray, Jesus, shine brightly in our schools. Be with the administrators as they make decisions, Lord. I pray that you would give them divine influence and wisdom. And God, I pray for every student going back that the nerves would subside and they would have a, just a wonderful time. God, I pray that those students that are Christians would change their school for you, Jesus. Give them boldness and courage to stand up for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And we all agree together and said, amen. 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 Please know, I'm not saying we always agree with government. But I think sometimes we worry over things we have no control of. Don't get me wrong. There are times you scratch your head at the government and you're like, huh, why are they doing that? But listen, I'm not going to worry and allow worry to affect my joy, because my joy is in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let this temporal government decide my joy. Jesus is my joy. So I want you to know, process your heart from the word, not from your worry. Whoa. All right, I am, I am winding down. I only got two more points, but I'm winding down. I'm going to skip a bunch, okay? Here we go. Process your word. Process your heart from the word, not from your worry. Hey, the only currency you have in heaven is souls. This government will be like that compared to all eternity. Know that. And anyways, what are you going to do? Think about that. What do you want? What? No. We just, I'll get to that in a moment. Here's three. Here's three. I told you four. Hang in there. Hang in there. All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, Ryan still loves you. Okay, here we go. As Christians, we understand God has established authority. We have an authoritative issue here in America. We have authority issue with police. We have authority issue with pastors. We have authority issue with parents and teachers. We have authority issue with people in office we don't like. We just have an authority issue. Remember what Romans says. Go back. Let everyone submit to the governing authority since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are what? Instituted by God. Oh, Oh, we cannot understand everything because we are not God and we don't have his perspective and entire view of his plan. While all government is instituted by God, it does not mean the cruelty, the cruel, cruel, cruelty of some government is a reflection of God's intent. Know that. 
Many times God did give the nation leaders they deserve. Leaders are a reflection of our society because our society elected them. God ordained the institution, the government, but it's not necessarily did he institute the practices of that institution. Okay? So know that. And then the rest, he says this, watch this. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. That's between you and God now. If it doesn't go against what God's word says, his teachings, then we, we go. I love what John MacArthur says about this quote. He has this in his commentary in, in Romans. He says this, because civil government is an institution of God, to rebel against government is to rebel against the God who established it. Please hear me. As Christians, we understand God has established authority. Praise team's coming up because I'm closing. I realize this is not my most popular teaching, but I know you need to hear it. I need to hear it. And we live in a world where divisiveness as our world today has caused Christians to be reflectors of the world instead of reflectors of Jesus Christ. We will be a church that promotes Jesus Christ above everything. Here's my last point. As Christians, we are to respect those in positions of authority. Romans 13, 7 says this. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. What letter is this? Romans written at the time of that guy and Paul saying give respect and honor to those in authority the guy who's massacring Christians whoever's sitting in the White House whether Republican or Democrat. We give honor and respect. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. You don't have to agree with all of what they do. But we're called to follow God's word. And he says, honor those that are in those positions. What's fascinating about these two gentlemen here, President Truman was stepping away. And President Dwight D. Eisenhower was taking over the office. And before that happened, these two presidents had a little bit of a talk. And President Truman is going to remind President Eisenhower this. He says, just remember, when they play Hail to the Chief, they aren't playing it for you. And you guys know what he means. It's the office. That office in the White House, it's honor and respect. Would you really want to lead our nation when half the nation hates you? Or strongly at least disproves of you? To make decisions that we have no idea how hard those decisions are to make. I never want to be president of this nation. <laughs> and Peter writes to Tom, or Titus and says this, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities 
to obey and be ready for every good work. Please hear me. To slander no one. No qualifier. It doesn't say you can slander the one you did not vote for. It doesn't say that. Avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all. All people. That's the way of Jesus. And we can disagree without being dishonoring. You can. Our society today says if you disagree, you must hate. That's not true. We don't hate anyone because Jesus died for everyone. I can disagree in love and I can still honor you. And we're going to close with this. I was so convicted of this message. Because I personally, I just don't agree with everything any president has ever done. I don't agree with everything what President Biden's done or any other president before him. I don't agree with it all. But I know this wrecked me this week. It's written to Timothy. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Why did that convict me? Because I don't pray for our president enough. I don't pray for our vice president enough. I don't even know if I pray for our governor or our city officials. Can we probably all agree? that there are spiritual battles that you and I cannot see that are happening in the halls of Washington, D.C., that happen in the halls in Lansing, Michigan, and that happen in the halls right here in Sturgis, Michigan. Spiritual battles are being taken place. We must pray for whoever is in the office of the United States, whether we voted or not, we pray for them. We pray for them. We pray for the governor. And I know this is coming at the heels of November's right around the corner, right? You all know that? Midterms. If you live in Michigan, you get to vote for a governor. This is adequate timing for this. So we're going to take a few moments and let me, sh- let me show you this real quick. And then we're going to pray and we're, we're done. Let me show you this. This is this thing called How to Pray for Our Leaders. I want you to take a picture and go to that website right there. It's billygram.org, his website. And you sign up and you'll get this PDF and I've cut it and chopped it so I can get it in your screen. But it says what the Bible says and how to pray for whoever's in office. You know how we're going to close out this message? We're going to intercede for our president, for our vice president, We will intercede for our governor and we will intercede for our city officials because there is only one king and it is King Jesus.
but we need to pray. We wrestle, we walk in the tension, but we honor the word of God and the word of God says pray for all kings and those in authority. So will you bow your head and pray with me? God, I will be the first to confess in this room. I do not pray enough for our leaders. So God, I lift up President Biden to you in this moment. I pray that you would surround him with godly Christ followers that will give him divine wisdom and instruction. God, I pray that for Vice President Harris as well. God, I don't know if they say they have a walk with you or not. I don't know anything of that. You do. I pray that their knees would bow at Jesus. I pray that you would give them divine insight that only you, Holy Spirit, can reveal. I pray their heart would be softened to you, their creator. I pray that you would give them people of godly influence that we can see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for our governor. Wherever she is today, God, would you reveal even how much you love her? Jesus, you died even for her. So God, I pray that you would become so real and so relevant that her heart would break for you, that you would surround her with a godly counsel. Would you invade those halls in Lansing with your presence and your power? Lord, we lift up our city officials here in Sturgis. May your kingdom reign in those halls. We pray Jesus in those halls. Give them divine wisdom and insight as they govern our community here. God, we're sorry when we got it wrong. Correct us so we can be more biblically sound in how we respond to the government. Help us to surrender all to you. Crush that spirit of self, that spirit of independence, because it says we are God's servants. We are now God's slaves. And it's you that we bow down, Jesus. And we say it's your way, Jesus. There is no other way. There is not me, but it will bow to the name of Jesus. May we do that, Lord. So here in this moment, we surrender everything and we say and pray, have your way in me, God. May you, Jesus, reign. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.